All right, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited about what God's given me to give you, and I'm excited about camp. Who's excited for camp? All right. I just showed uh, Bella Melfi a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that said, nothing great has been done without enthusiasm. So you got to be enthusiastic about camp. A lot of people are. We have a good time. Uh, little little inside baseball, I found out that uh, Pastor Jared is going to be one of the team leaders, and it looks like I'll be the other team leader. So it should be some good rivalry. I'm excited about it, and uh, we'll have a good time. Camp's great. I loved camp as a teenager. Uh, I'm so glad that I went every year that I could. Uh, when I was 16, I think, we went to Korea, so I figured that was a good excuse to miss that. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm just thankful for camp. I'm so thankful that our, all of our parents are, are sending kids to camp, and uh, you, won't, uh, you won't regret that. Uh, this afternoon, my wife asked me what the uh, title of my message was, so I said, it's a two-word title. It's just simply, submit yourself. She laughed. So it is a two-word two title, but it's not submit yourself. Uh, I don't know if you, if the, the, other guys that, the other guys that preach, I don't know if you do this, but I don't really tell my wife anything. Like, it's, it's, it's fun. It's like keep, a, keep it a secret until it happens, right? The, the two-word title tonight is do something. That's it. Just do something. Uh, maybe a different voice inflection. Do something, right? Um, an alternate, uh, usually I struggle with titles, like, Ah, okay, that sounds okay. Uh, but an alternative title is Christian Initiative. Christian Initiative. Let's turn to James. James chapter 4. James 4, we'll look at verse 17 together tonight. James 4.17. Let me get set up here, sorry. All right, James 4.17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So the title, as I said, is Do Something. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to preach. I thank you for uh, showing me this, uh, this message. I really am excited to preach it because it's something that uh, that you showed me that uh, I've been praying about, Lord, and I pray that uh, you'd help these folks uh, get what you want them to get tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, fill me with your spirit, Lord. Help me say the words that I should say and help me to not say the words that I shouldn't say. Lord, I need you. I need your power. I need uh, you to speak to these folks, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. I think a lot of times we get hooked on God's will. God's will is very important. Uh, God's will is something you should be praying about. God's will is something that, that's evident in, in Scripture. Uh, it's, we should be thankful. We know that's God's will. We know that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But what about doing right, doing something that pleases God just because you can just because you have the ability to, just because you're in a position to do so. 
So I, I do want to preface the message with, I may at times sound like I'm downplaying God's will. That is not my intention. Uh, if, if I say something that sounds like that's my intention, I'm sorry, that's not my intention. Um, but I think we often use God's will as a crutch uh, for not doing what we know we should do. Uh, I mentioned my alternative title is Christian Initiative. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe Adam and Jerry remember this. Uh, Mr. Kemmer, when I was in Bible club, taught us the word initiative. I could still hear, I could still hear the kids in my ears yelling, initiative, like that, you know what I mean? So the word initiative, I actually tried to look up in the 1828, and it must be a fairly new word because I could not find it. I was triple checking my spelling because it's kind of a tricky word to spell, right? Uh, initiative. So I, I had to Google it. I'm sorry. Google says it's the ability to assess and initiate things independently. So I don't know about you, but when I'm in a le leadership posi position and I have people under me that need to, to be doing things and I see somebody take initiative, there is not much more exciting and makes me enthusiastic than that. Watching someone do something they know has to get done, they know is right, they know how to do it, maybe they need to ask questions, what's, you, know, you, you know how it is. That's exciting. Why don't we ever, I mean, maybe we do sometimes, but sometimes we don't apply that to our Christian life. We don't apply initiative to our Christian life. As I said, Mr. Kemmer taught us that. This is kind of a, a, side, a, a side wing, but... Don't ever think that the things you teach four, five, sixth graders is just going in one ear out the other. I still remember that. I still remember being taught the word initiative and seeing the trash can full and taking the initiative to empty the trash can, right? I, I tease my, my, my bro brother-in-laws about that a lot. Uh, you know, they're, they're still growing up. They're still learning things. So I try to teach them the word initiative, and we talk about that a lot. Uh, I think sometimes when it comes to God's will, again, I'm, I don't want to come across like uh, I'm downplaying God's will. God's will is very important. But sometimes we act like a nagging child, right? Now, you're, you're thinking, but importunity is important. You're correct. Importunity is important. That, that is going to God and asking for things over and over and over. That, that's important. But asking for God's will when maybe, one, it's been shown to you clearly, or you're not doing God's will right now anyway. So why would he give you the next step, right? God, I don't think, I don't believe that God is a micromanager. Uh, a micromanager is someone that they have to have their hands in everything, right? Well, obviously God's everywhere. He does, of course. But let's go to Genesis, Genesis 2. Genesis 2. He leaves some things for us to do. Remember the title. Do something. Genesis 2. We'll go to verse 19. I don't remember who showed me this. I actually think uh, Kristen Dunbar showed me this. So you have her to thank for this. Here we go. Verse 19. Um, 19 and 20. Genesis two nineteen says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. 
And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. Uh, God brought the animals before Adam. Adam named the animals. God didn't name our animals, right? Adam named the animals. God leaves some stuff for us to do. A, a lot of, uh, I, I think I've preached something similar this, to this before, but let's, let's hop to Hebrews 11. So almost all the way to the other end of your Bible. Hebrews 11. We know this is the faith chapter. Faith is action. Do you agree with that statement? Faith is action. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of words. We're just I don't even have a specific verse in in Hebrews 11. Uh, I'll start probably in verse. Let's start in verse seven. And no, let's go to six. Go to six. Sorry. So 11:6. Hebrews 11:6 says, "But without faith, it is impossible to please Him." For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, as I'm reading through these, note the, note the action verbs. I'm going to take you, take you back to, to English class, right? Note the action verbs. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, should after, uh, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out knowing whether he went, not knowing whether he went. Um, let's jump down to verse 20. Let's go to verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. And Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the, the top of his staff. We'll read one more verse here. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. You don't read one verse there without some kind of action, right? Uh, there's, there's action going on with faith. So we're going to look at a, a story in, in the Bible. This is, this is where this whole message started. We're going to go to 2 Samuel verse uh, 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Second Samuel 7. We're going to start in verse 1. I think eventually we're going to read the whole chapter. I might skip around. Let's read the, the first couple of verses here. 2 Samuel 7, verse 1 says, And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest uh, round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, we know this is David at this time, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of, of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth in curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thy heart, for the Lord God, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? I'm going to stop there for, for a second. Uh, so this is, this is the story of David and when he had the, the intent and the thought to build a temple for the Lord. 
Uh, I got thinking, uh, something I appreciate about Brother Grady was he always makes the Bible come alive in a sense where he connects history to the Bible. You know, like seeing Alexander the Great in the Bible, that, that's wild stuff, right? You don't connect those two things. Sometimes we just take the Bible and then we take history and we don't connect them. They're, they're both, they're friends. They, they work together, right? I thought about David and I thought, I wonder what he, let's read verse one again. It says, and it came to pass when the king sat in his house. He wasn't just sitting there. What, what was he doing, right? So I thought about, I thought about, well, what did David do? Well, he wrote Psalms, right? What if he was sitting there writing a Psalm? Now, I don't know if this, I tried to look this up to see if it actually worked timeline-wise, and it probably didn't. So this is speculation, all right? This is speculation, but I, I think it's, it's a neat thing to, to think about. Uh, Psalm 101, I'll, I'll read this to you. You don't have to turn there. It says, I will sing of the mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I wonder if he was writing something about his house and thought, wow, look at my house. Look how beautiful my house is. And then thought, you know, God doesn't even dwell in a house this nice. He, he dwells in tents. He, he dwells in the tabernacle, right? Um, so it's, it's just speculation, obviously. But he was sitting in his house, and he, he, made the, he had the thought that, the, that uh, he dwells in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. So that's just something that I, I thought of that, that maybe David uh, was pondering at this time. Uh, we're going to just check these verses out, and we're going to apply it to Doing something for God, even when you're not necessarily told to, and not even necessarily uh, told it's God's will, right? So verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest about from all his enemies. So he had rest from all his enemies. Think about that. In, in Bible times, that's pretty rare. You see a lot of battles. You see a lot of war going on. Matter of fact, the next chapter, chapter 8, which we're not going to get to, but I'll read verse 1, says, And after this came to pass that David smote the Philistines. Oh, that didn't last long. So we're already back to war. We're already back to battle. So the time to do something for God, do something, is the time when you have rest from your troubles, rest from your storms. Uh, we have a lot of preaching about storms, getting through storms, what about the times when there is no storm? What about the times that you have a reprieve and God has given you some time? God has given you some time to think. God has given you some time to pray. God has given you more time uh, to, to be in, in the Bible. That's the time to do something for God. Verse 2. Then uh, that... Sorry, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. You know, if you want to do something for God, you know what's one thing you should do? If it's big, I think. And, and it's maybe not necessarily, uh, you don't have a verse for it. You haven't been told, feel like you've been told it's, it's God's will. We, we know it's not a feeling, but 
one thing you should do is go to the man of God. Go to the man of God. That's what David did here. He thought, man, I would really like to build the temple for the Lord. And he decided, before I do anything like that, let me, let me talk to the man of God. It, is that ever your first thought? Where you think, I want to do something. I need to talk to the man of God. Brother Sturtz this morning was a blessing. I had no idea. I actually thought that the campaigns were started well before Pastor went uh, to Russia. But the man of God, our man of God, right, talked to him about starting campaigns. God uses the man of God. God uses our man of God. And we need to remember that. We need, to, we need to, to heed what the man of God says. Uh, and I don't, think, I don't think Pastor was told this is the will of God for you to sit and talk to Brother Sturtz about that, right? I don't necessarily think that. But he knew it was something good. He knew it was something that would please the Lord. Uh, verse 3, it says, And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thy heart, for the Lord is with thee. You know what? Sometimes the man of God might right away say, that sounds like a great idea. Go for it, right? Uh, but sometimes, like in this case, that, that's not what the Lord wanted. That's not what the Lord wanted. So not only should we mention it to the man of God, talk to the man of God about it, but we should heed the advice of the man of of God. So I don't think I'm going to read them all, but basically three verse, uh, I'm sorry, go verse five through 17, five through 17 is, is basically the Lord telling Nathan what he needs to tell David. So it, the time we should be doing something is something extra really, right? Uh, for God is when there's a time of rest. We should mention that thing, that whatever it is. Uh, I, I hesitate to give you specifics because I know the Lord can work in different ways. And if I say a specific thing, you might think, oh, that's, that's not my thing, right? So let, let the Lord deal with you as, as, as he sees fit. Uh, whatever it is, mention it to the man of God. Heed the advice of God and the man of God. Uh, Verse, verse 18, let's go to verse 18. This is uh, point four. Verse 18. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hither to? You know what David's doing? He was just told he can't do something he wanted to do. What did he do? He rejoiced. So rejoice either way. You know what? The only reason we can do things for God it's because of God anyway, right? He wakes us up in the morning. He, he, allows us, he allows us to breathe. So rejoice either way. What, whatever God wants, if you want to do something for God, attempt something for God, you should rejoice either way. Maybe it's, maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it's not exactly what you should be doing. Maybe, in, as in this case, it's for someone else to do. But you need to, you, you inspire the idea, as, as David did. Uh, going back to verse 1, I almost wonder, between the point that Nathan said to the king, go do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee, it says it came to pass that night. So it wasn't that much time. 
But I still wonder, if, if David's enthusiastic about this idea, how much had he already prepared? How much, how much he, had he already been excited about building this temple, right? Sometimes we get that way. We get excited about doing something, or we get, get excited about doing something for God, and then our expectations are dashed, right? Uh, we know that David, that David uh, suppl- uh, built up all the supplies for, for the, the building of the temple, but uh, as we know, Solomon, David was told that his son, Solomon, would do this, would build the temple. Fifthly, when you decide to do something for God, watch out. Temptation is coming. This, according to the research that I did, this, uh, this occurs in 997 BC. I don't know if that's accurate, uh, but I will say that it's consistent with the other, the other story that I'm going to mention, which is uh, David and Bathsheba. This, this, the purpose uh, to build the temple happened in 997 BC, and David and Bathsheba ha- happened f- short, four, four short years later. You, you decide you want to do something for God, maybe it doesn't even work out for you to do it. Satan doesn't like that. Your flesh doesn't like that. The world doesn't like that, right? There is temptation... Coming. Temptation is coming if you decide to do something for the Lord. You know what? This is not something, maybe a message that I would suggest to everyone, because think about David. We'll we'll get there in a second. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But what do we know about David? David was a man after God's own heart. He was close to God. This This is the importance of being close to God. So in order to do this, my first point, you must have a personal walk with the Lord. Uh, Acts 13. Let's go to Acts. Acts 13.22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. David was a man after God's own heart. Yes, he messed up. Yes, he did some things wrong. But the Bible is clear that he was a man after God's own heart. So in order to do something like this, where it almost feels like you're working outside of God's will, it seems like it. it God, God never clearly told David to, to, to build him a temple. You must have a personal walk with the Lord. Secondly, uh, I don't have a verse for this one, but you must be willing to act. And I guess we, we talked about this earlier, right? Just having the idea is not good enough. And you know what? We see that with David. David wasn't even allowed to build the temple, right? God said, no, you're a bloody man. You cannot build the temple. But you know what he did? He prepared for it. He got everything ready for it. You must be willing, thirdly, you must be willing to do something you've never done before. You have to get uncomfortable. Who likes to be uncomfortable? I don't like being uncomfortable. Uh, I have a, a couple. I, I always like, like uh, Brother Grady talks about, a lot about um, the world's perspective uh, of the Bible sometimes. Uh, this is the world's perspective on 
being comfortable. Uh, this is, these are a couple quotes by, by CEOs, and uh, I'll read a couple of these. Com- comfort makes more prisoners than all the jails combined. Nothing great is ever accomplished inside your comfort zone. So think about the things that men in the Bible accomplished by simply by getting out of their comfort zone. I'll name a couple. We've, we've talked about some of them already. Noah built a boat. He built the ark. I, it doesn't say it in the Bible, but maybe Noah said, an ark? What, what, what's that? Right? Uh, he had to do something that wasn't in his comfort zone. He had to do something that wasn't in his comfort zone. Peter stepped out of a boat. That's out of your comfort zone, right? Getting out of the boat to walk on water would be out of your comfort zone. Nehemiah built the wall. He's a cupbearer, right? And he had to go build a wall. Pull whatever story you'd like from Hebrews 11. And most of it, if not all of it, involves being uncomfortable at some point. Having the faith to do something uh, for the Lord. You know what? It's hard for the average American, right, for any American, to be uncomfortable. You know, if you make, if you're here tonight and you make at least $34,000 a year, you are part of the global 1%. You know, we always talk about, oh, the 1%, the Jeff Bezos, the the Elon Musk of the world, right? Uh, We, if you make 34,000, at least 34,000 a year, you are part of the global 1%. Half the richest people in the world live in America. It's hard, right? It's hard for us to get uncomfortable. But sometimes it's, it's needed. A lot of the times it's needed. So just to, to, to apply this, really apply it, uh, uh, apply what we've heard tonight, from a practical level, maybe, as we mentioned already, maybe what you start, maybe the Lord wants you to start something that's eventually going to be finished by your children. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of uh, Christians forget legacy, right? I, I, I understand we want our children to be Christians. We want our children to do right. But what about handing, handing things down to your kids that will, will make them better people, make them better Christians, make them godly Christians? We need to remember that we can hand those things down to our children, I don't know, again, I don't know what God has for you. I don't, I don't know what, what your skill level is. I don't know what you enjoy doing. But God knows where you're at, and, it, and he knows that you can please, please him by, do, by taking initiative and, and doing the things that you know are right. <clears throat> God works on an individual basis. We always talk about God... Uh, being a personal savior, and, I, and I'm so thankful for that. And he works with individuals. But when it comes to revival, and we talk about having a revival in the church, we think about the church having the revival. Well, we know that God works with individuals, so the, the revival has to start with the individual. If, if it doesn't start there, it's not going to start in the church, right? It's got to spread. <clears throat> But you hear different opinions about revival in our day, right? Oh, we can't have another revival. It just can't happen. Well, that's the individual's problem. It's not the church's problem. It's the individual's problem. 
I always feel like God's direction at times can often be like a GPS, right? You, you, you take one turn because you're told to turn there, and then all of a sudden, you're going for a while, going for a while, and then there's another direction, right? And we need to stay on top of those directions. The Christian life is often filled with redirection. Um, <clears throat> don't, don't judge missionaries. Don't judge people because they have a redirection in their life. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, there was a missionary who came off the field, and there was a lot of talk about that person coming off the field. You know what? God had some... You don't, you don't know what in the world's going on in that person's life. You don't know what God has for them. Right? God often redirects, uh, redirects our lives. You might not... You don't know the circumstances behind people being redirected, right? You don't know why that missionary had to come off the field. There are redirections in, in every Christian life. So is there something you should be doing in your life right now that you know is right, but you use the excuse that you need to pray about it or it's not God's will? Uh, as I said at the beginning, a lot of times we use God's will as a crutch. We, uh, Pastor Jared, we, I think the teens bought him a, a, a shirt that says, uh, I'll pray about it. Because he used to, like, uh, this, this afternoon I jokingly said to Dustin that he was going to watch our kids. And he looked at me and he said, I'll pray about it, right? So you jokingly say, I'll pray about it. But how often do we, do we do that, not in jest, we do it seriously and say, oh, I'll pray about it. And then you don't pray about it. Or, you know it's right. You don't need to pray about it. And you just need to, to continue on in that direction. So finally, you may ask, well, what could I do? What could I do? Again, I, I, I hesitate to give you specifics because I think you know. I, I think there's something maybe that needs to be done that you're not doing right now for God that maybe it's not clear. But again, there are redirections in the Christian life. So maybe you need to start doing something and take the redirection if you need to. Uh, <clears throat> how many of you have ever driven a car without power steering. That's fun, right? Hey, is that, is that easy to turn when it's sitting still? Nope. It gets easier to turn when it's moving, though, right? Maybe you need to just start doing something. Do something for God. Uh, just a, what could you do? I'm just gonna, I will throw a few out there. Like I said, I hesitate, but I'll throw a couple out there. How about this one? Decide that you will win one soul to the Lord during BBS this year. I, I was thinking about it as I wrote that down. I thought, I don't think I've ever had someone come to me at BBS, or, or maybe Jerry has, I don't know, and come to me and say, hey, if you get a kid that raises his hand, I got first dibs. I don't think I've ever had that happen. Maybe that can be you this year. Come to one of us and say, look, I want first dibs, right? Hey, if, if you're doing that, you know what I know? I know you're preparing I know you're praying for that, for that one individual. Uh, how about this one? Determine that you will make it to every Tuesday night this summer when we pass out flyers. If you've missed some already, that's okay. How about from this point forward, right? You've got to start somewhere. How about something more? I don't know. 
You know, you know your strengths and weaknesses, and God knows your strengths and weaknesses. Let's turn to 1 Kings. So Aaron, you told me this story, and David didn't even do what he was going to do. His son had to do it. All right, that's fine. That's fair. Let's go to 1 Kings 8. Verse 17 through 18. 1 Kings 8, 17 through 18. This is Solomon speaking. It says, It was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. And the Lord said unto David, my father, Whereas it was in thine heart to build a house unto my name, thou didst well that it was in thine heart. What a thing for God to say about David. He didst well, right? Is there anything, this is Father's Day, right? Is there anything more uh, pleasing? Is there, any, is there any better, I'll use the word feeling, uh, when your parents or your father in this case, because it's Father's Day, uh, says, wow, great job. I am well pleased. I am, uh, the, the words used uh, in this verse is, you, thou didst well. Isn't that, isn't that the goal? To please the Lord? Uh, I remember when, uh, uh, when my mom was alive, she used to write me something, or even my dad, maybe write me a note or a card. And in our family, we never said proud. You don't say proud, right? Right, Dad? So my mom always liked to use the words, well, pleased, right? Because that's biblical, right? It says, uh, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. So he, they used to write cards and, or, or even say it to me and say, I'm very well pleased at how you did this, right? What's better than that, right? Pleasing your parents? Pleasing your heavenly father? What's better than that? It, that's a great feeling, right? <clears throat> so finally, what are you actively doing just because you know what pleases God? Let's close with this. I, I got a quote at the end, or, or a little poem at the end, but let's go to Revelation 4. Here's another verse I memorized in Bible Club. <laughs> Revelation 4. Verse 11. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure... They are and were created. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here. We're here to please God. You got to do something. You got to move. You got to do something. Uh, I have this just a quick poem, and then we'll close. Uh, missionary, you, you guys are familiar with this poem. You may not have heard the whole thing, but I know you know a lot of it. Uh, missionary by the name of C.T. Studd. I actually looked him up just to kind of get some information on him. He was, he's a British missionary. He, uh, I kind of, I kind of uh, put him with kind of our Billy Sunday because he was a cricket player. Uh, his dad, I believe, was saved. Oh, I can't remember now. Maybe under Moody? I'm not sure the timeline there. Uh, but this man uh, wrote this poem that I'm about to read called Only One Life. Two little lines I heard one day 
traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the, sm the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would have victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. In joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, t'was worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So do something. Do something for Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this story in the Bible of David who who took the initiative to please you. That's really what it's all about, is, is pleasing you, not pleasing ourselves, but pleasing you by, by doing things that please you, that bring you pleasure, and that you want done, but maybe it's, it's not a, a straight direction to us, but you know, we know how to do it, we know what to do, and we should do it to please you. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us Father, you're so good to us. Thank you uh, for our church. Thank you for the members. Pray that you'd bless this invitation now in your name I pray. Amen.